afternoon, Eastern Washington and fellow Patriots. This is Matt Shea, and welcome to Patriot Radio, broadcasting live from deep inside the heart of the future Liberty State, brought to you once again by On Fire Ministries in the legacy of Dr. Stan Monteith, bringing you the story behind the story and the news behind the news. It's not about right or left. It's about right and wrong, about our hope not being in man, but in Jesus Christ, and about not ending in prayer, but moving to action. The Gospel of the Kingdom, Zechariah 2.5, but I declare the Lord will be a wall of fire to her on all sides, and I will be the glory in her midst, and that is the time that we are in right now. So much to go over today. Uh, it, it's it, The last 24 hours have been absolutely incredible, uh, so we're going to go through a lot right now. But apparently Travis has something first, and I don't know what it is, but I hope he has it ready. Go ahead and roll it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Is that a is that a Chewini? It is. And he's making music to the dog. That's awesome, Travis. <laughs> I was just getting in my groove there, Travis. I was just getting there. Oh, I love it. We got to we got to have humor today because there's just so much going on. I think I might do uh, another Chewini post here soon. I I think I've, I'm feeling it. Yeah, like that. You know, I was reading the news yesterday, and that's what I looked like. Oh, gracious! God is good, and remember. The enemy is raging because God is already on the move. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing, which brings us now to John 17, 15 today. I want to talk about this quickly. Um, if you, just in general, Matthew 13, Matthew 24, Matthew 25, Luke 17, Luke 19, John 17. Huge chapters to be reading right now in this time. And specifically, John 17, 15 says this, I am not asking you, and this is Jesus speaking to the Father. I'm not asking you, Father, to take them out of the world, but to keep them away from the evil one. Now, there's a lot of people out there who believe weirdly the Christians can't have a demon and the believers can't have a demon and they never define their terms. So we're not talking about possession. And by the way, uh, Dimonizo in the Greek throughout the whole New Testament, you're, you're not talking about a, a property right connotation. In other words, it's not talking about ownership of something. It's always talking about the influence of the demonic. So oppression is the best way to think about it. So when we say Christians can't have a demon, you mean Christians can't be oppressed by a demon? Yeah, they can. They can have a demon whispering in their life. It happened all the time. In fact, a demon, actually the head of all the demons, tried to whisper into the life of Jesus Christ, tried to get him to corrupt his identity, tried, tried to get him to lay down his birthright. So this idea that Christians can't have demons is ridiculous. But this passage, specifically, Jesus is saying, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. 
Like, like this, there's this theology today, like somehow I'm just going to sit here and eat popcorn and, and just wait to get out of here. He's like, no, I, Jesus is saying, I, I don't want you to take them out of the world, Father. I want you to keep them from the evil one. And that word from is interesting in the Greek, ek, really easy to pronounce, E-K. It means keep them away from from the inside out. That's what that word means in the Greek, from the evil one. So when we give our lives to Jesus, that's salvation. Our spirit is saved. The enemy cannot possess us. But the next step is, and this is all pictured by the temple, the, the shape of the temple, and, and the layout of the temple all talks to this. And I gave a sermon on this a couple weeks ago. The whole point is that the, the next step is sanctification, which is of our soul, our will, our mind, our emotions, and our identity. A lot of teaching today leaves out identity, but that's a very key component in the original Hebrew and in the two words in the Greek for soul. So identity is a key component, and so there's sanctification over our entire lives God is working from the inside out to clean the evil out of the temple. And so when, when it says this from the evil one or from evil, it's talking, Jesus is talking himself saying, Father, keep them from the inside out from the evil one. And that means that the enemy works from the outside in. And so, yes, Christians can have demonic influence in their lives and this ridiculous teaching that has infected the church that Christians can't have a demon. You've got people living literally enchained and in, in, in enslaved because they think, well, I, I'm a believer. I don't have anything to worry about. What are you talking about? The enemy is always trying to influence Christians, always trying to influence the mindset, the emotions, the will. That's what addiction is an attack on the will and the identity of Christians, trying to get us to believe that we're not who God says we are, sons and daughters in his kingdom. That's why Jesus said, preach the gospel of the kingdom. It's more than just the gospel of salvation. That's important. But it's way more than that. And that's the idea of taking the ground first away from the enemy inside of ourselves. So this battle has been going on, raging. And I think it's really important today that we acknowledge the fact that the, the spiritual battle that is going on first starts at the temple of the Holy Spirit and then moves outward to all the things around us. And people say, well, how can God be in the presence of evil? Wasn't Jesus when he came to the earth? Isn't Holy Spirit when there's evil still on the earth? So let's knock off the false theology and go back to what the original church fathers, the early church fathers taught, and that was that a believer has the authority, even a new believer has the authority, as Origen said, to cast out a demon. Why would they be casting out demons from non-believers? Let you mull on that one a little bit. But also, why did Jesus say, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning? I give you the authority 
over all the power of the evil and to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And that's the spirit of lies and deception and the spirit of death. Why would he say that? And again, speaking to his disciples, because there was a lot of people coming out of witchcraft and idolatry during the first three centuries of the church. And they needed to deal with Christians who gave their lives to Jesus but still were being oppressed by the demonic from that witchcraft that they had been involved in. And we're seeing the resurgence of witchcraft in the occult today. That's why one of the reasons when we baptize here at, at On Fire Ministries, we go back to the early church, which added a confession. So do you believe that Jesus Christ and do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you repent of all your sin, turn from it and face Jesus? Yes. And do you renounce all witchcraft and all the occult? That's what they did in the early church. They had to deal with it then, and we're having to deal with it now. So, I would tell you that God has very clearly not left us without a solution. In other words, we have a solution. He's left it. He's given us the authority. He's given us the power. And we need to start acting like the church and driving back evil in Jesus' mighty name. And that brings us now to your daily intelligence briefing. But first, I want to talk quickly about the good versus evil segment here and how we can act in this time. Just dovetailing what I taught about John 17, 15. In this time, we can actually take steps to defend ourselves against evil. And it starts with the name of Jesus. Roll the clip. He comes to the counter with his gun and he taps on it. And he says, this is a robbery. I want your money. Planted my feet, pointed my finger in his face. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you get out of my store. That was my weapon that I had one shot. And I went, I bind you by the power of the Holy Spirit, leave. Backed up, and he kept backing up until he got to the front door, and then he took off. So somebody came in to rob the store, and in the name of Jesus, get out of here, I bind you by the Holy Spirit, get out. And he did. <laughs> I think everybody needs to understand that they have that kind of power in, in the face of things that just seem impossible. There's no reason for that guy to leave unless there is a spiritual power that we've been ignoring in modern times. And that spiritual power, the power that resurrected Jesus Christ is available to each one of us. We had a, an incident um, that... Uh, and there's many of these stories in churches where, you know, somebody starts choking during the service, start praying, boom. Somebody comes over there, does the Heimlich, and, and they're, they're saved, right? And so it, it's both physical action sometimes and prayer. And so when this happened in a church, everybody reacted exactly like they should have reacted. And the result, well, you'll see for yourself. You had a man down on the floor Spirit bleeding depart. from his nose. No. 
be gone. In Jesus' name. Very calm. Be gone. This guy collapsed during the church service. And now he's alive. Wow. That same power resides in every believer. But a lot of times we don't even pray because we don't think anything's going to happen. It's not what God's called us to. He's called us to heal the sick, cast out demons, resurrect people from the dead. He's called us to pray in these moments and believe that what he said is true. And you just saw the results of that. And that brings us now to the globalist front. And boy, there's so much here, but technocracy news is really the, the place you want to go for a lot of this. The WEF's fourth industrial revolution posits the merger between humans and machines. But I want you to hear this. If you already identify as a hybrid between a man and a woman, you will easily be convinced to become a hybrid between a human and a machine. This is what's behind this fifth generation warfare, this technocratic global death cult will call the human population. But they're already working on the psyche of people to be used to transitioning to something that they might not actually accept in normal circumstance. That's why they use the word trans because they are getting people ready for transhumanism. And that brings us now to the China front. First, we're going to start with the fact that Xi Jinping comes to San Francisco and they clean up the streets, not for the people, of course, but for the Chinese dictator, um, which should be offensive to every single American these communists let the homeless problem uh, get out of control, all the feces on the street and everything else, all this garbage and everything else, and they'll clean it up for a Chinese dictator, but not the people themselves. Absolutely reprehensible. The fact that they were able to do it, every person in San Francisco should demand that the streets stay clean now. But that is why this bill introduced by House Republican to prevent federal funds from flowing into CCP hands is so important. So coming to us from the Epoch Times, this bill would be proactive instead of reactive. And House Homeland Security uh, Committee Chair Mark Green, so this is a ranking leader, introducing this bill that would require the federal government to detail any funding flowing to companies in communist China. The bill named Our Money in China Transparency Act is the latest effort to track U.S. investment in China amid rising concerns about the Chinese Communist Party's espionage efforts against the United States and its citizens. Well, yeah, of course they're doing this. And this is why we need a bill like this. We need to stop funding our enemies. I want you to remember I said that because when we get to Hamas, you're going to see where hundreds of millions of, of dollars from U.S. taxpayers went we're funding our enemies to try to destroy us. So we need to stop. Amen.
Now that brings us to Indopac news, Travis. And if you could pull this up right now, we've got a whole bunch of maps that are going to be coming up here. Taiwan's opposition to unite on presidential ticket challenging frontrunner uh, ruling DPP. Well, just so you know this, China's two main opposition parties, the KMT and the TPP, which have vowed to renew talks with China, agreed on Wednesday to come together in a joint presidential ticket. That's because the Democrat Progressive Party presidential candidate has led in opinion polls consistently and they are the ones that are standing against China in Taiwan right now. So this just shows that the Chinese political warfare effort is in full swing in Taiwan ahead of the elections. And that brings us to Indopac news. Also, the U.S. Army Pacific launches massive theater-wide U.S. versus China war game. Commanding General Charles Flynn says the purpose of Army Pacific and its buildup is to avoid war. This is a huge exercise, and this um, this rehearsal of concept that they are doing there is the initial step of the war game where participants and commanders are briefing their roles, solidifying command relationships, and anticipating key tasks, all of that stuff. But the whole point is they're trying to anticipate what China might do and then prepare for it in the worst eventuality. So thank God, Commanding General Charles Flynn doing the right thing right now, preparing for the worst in the Pacific to prevent the worst. And that brings us to Intel Schizo, terrible name, I know, but great map. Okay, So this is the map of where warships are in the Eastern Mediterranean. So we're going to shift now to the Middle East front. And as you see this map, I want you to understand the amount of firepower that is in the Middle East. You've got literally 12 operational or strike naval strike groups in one area of the world. And you can see on this map, a lot of them are right at the Gulf of Oman and then also in the Red Sea. So the, this is, and then, and then in the uh, far Eastern Mediterranean, right off the coast of Israel, this is a huge buildup. Again, people have been asking, well, is this going to break out in a regional war? It already is a regional war. And that brings us to open source intelligence. Turkey's president, Recep Erdogan, the wannabe sultan and caliph, said Wednesday that Israel is a terrorist state and is committing crimes in Gaza. Um, this is very interesting. I want you to hear this because he is trying to rally Sunni Muslims. And like I said, March 3rd, 2024, may be the date that he declares the reemergence of the caliphate because that's the day the caliphate was abolished in 1924. So he says this, quote, we will never shy away from voicing the truth that Hamas members protecting their lands, honor, and lives in the face of occupation policies are resistance fighters just because some people are uncomfortable with it. And then I want you to hear this. Turkey has sent 666, yes, you heard that right, tons of humanitarian aid to Egypt for the benefit of Gaza in the recent weeks. I'm just going to use that number maybe as a discernment point that uh, Turkey is not under the influence of the living God. Bringing us next 
to the heart of Gaza. OSINT defender, heavy artillery and airstrikes today in central Gaza Strip, following reports of Israeli ground troops attempting to enlarge the buffer zone between the northern and southern Strip. Uh, most of northern Gaza now um, has been uh, either surrounded or cleared. And so now they're trying to enlarge it toward the south. It's fascinating because I think that this war is going to continue as, as Israel drives everybody uh, in Hamas and all of their associated organizations out of Gaza permanently and establishes a security, a permanent security presence there. That brings us also to OSINT defender, the Israeli Minister of Defense, Yoav Gallant, announced today that special forces are continuing to operate within the Al-Shifa medical complex where significant discoveries have been uh, recently made. Um, they found behind an MRI machine there yesterday, saw the video real time, uh, where they had found go bags, uh, weapons, uh, like right in amongst the hospital equipment, found a computer with one of the uh, abductees on it, probably left there intentionally for the uh, IDF to find because it was of an IDF soldier. Um, bottom line is, underneath that complex, very clearly there there are tunnels and this hospital was being used for non-hospital, non-humanitarian purposes, which is a violation of the laws of war. Now that brings us next to Trent Talenko, who uh, retweeted OSINT Yuri, but just this incredible 1,300 tunnels, eight levels deep, spanning 500 kilometers, 80 meters underground. I don't think people have the understanding of how much effort it would take to build something like this, let alone how much money. And as Trent, one of the best logistics analysts out there on the open source intelligence circuit, says this tunnel work had to have cost billions of dollars and taken well over a decade. He's absolutely right. So they were using U.S. taxpayer money and European Union taxpayer money to fund this so that they could have these tunnels and eventually do a war against Israel. Why give them any more money ever again? That brings us to J. Michael Waller. Big divisions among Democrats as pro-Israel faction vows to defeat pro-Hamas faction. Slate has a story. Uh, AIPAC is gearing up to spend over $100 million part of a campaign to knock the squad out of Congress in 2024. Corey Bush, Dylan Omar, Jamal Bowman, Summer Lee. Rashida Tlaib, are all marked for high-dollar challenges. So now you have a civil war inside the Democrat Party between the progressive pro-Israel side and the progressive pro-Jihadi side. Schizophrenia inside the Democrat Party. That brings us to Raw's alert all U.S. House buildings are now on lockdown after pro-Palestinian rioters tried to storm the offices of Democrat National Committee headquarters. So not only is there a, a civil war in the political realm, but there's a civil war on the streets now inside the Democrat Party. And the fact is, um, this really sounds like an insurrection to me, and I wonder why it's not being treated as such. That brings us now to Visegrad 24 and the Russia-Ukraine front. Finland will close all its border crossings with Russia in the south. The Finnish government has announced that only two crossings, Sala and Vartius, 
will be open starting today. Now, if we could, um, we could bring this map up quickly. I talked about this on the last show that Finland was now the object of a soft power push by Russia. They started this against Poland in 2021, where they would send illegal immigrants toward the border to try to storm the border. This is a, a low intensity conflict tactic and strategy. Um, the strategy being to try to get Finland to close its borders and show all of its forces. The, the tactic itself, sending these people to the borders to probe the crossings. So as you can see right there, Finland closing all of its uh, border crossings except two right now with Russia. Um, I just expect this to continue as the polarization between Eastern Europe and Russia um, just builds and builds. Now that brings us to OSINT Technical. One of the most fascinating videos I have ever seen coming out of this conflict shows how drones are going to be used to target soft vehicles. In other words, vehicles that are unarmored. Um, this Ukrainian FPV munition chases down a Russian truck and literally loops around it because it misses it the first time and then hits it. Uh, incredible video. Uh, but this is what drone warfare is going to look like uh, from now and into the future. Very cheap. Very prolific use of drones is going to be the norm going into future warfare. And that brings us to Iceland and the National Pulse. Iceland deploys massive bulldozer to dig magma trenches in preparation for volcanic eruption. I mean, there's been hundreds and hundreds of earthquakes. Um, they're expecting that volcanic explosion to happen anytime. Uh, this will have an impact on the world and potentially air traffic um, based on how big this explosion is. So I want to put that on the radar screen because this can have some pretty profound effects. And oh, by the way, all that stuff they're doing for climate change out the window because in one volcanic explosion, all those greenhouse gases went up. But by the way, I mean, CO2 is plant food, right? Why are we even having this discussion and we're going to have Alex Newman on here soon as the climate narrative is now falling apart as experts are coming out against it. And we'll talk more about that on a later show. That brings us now to the national front and BLM and Antifa. Check this out. One of the, one of the uh, foremost global security publications, globalsecurity.org, said this, quote, Israeli bulldozer destroyed a memorial to late Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat. In Tolkarim, scholars say the deliberate destruction of culture, I want you to pay attention to this, scholars say the deliberate destruction of cultural heritage during conflict constitutes a war crime. So when we had all the riots, that's conflict, low-intensity conflict. Are you telling me that BLM and Antifa committed a war crime by tearing down statues? I don't think they meant to say that that brings us now to gateway pundit little Michigan town establishes its own militia. Now we have talked about this on the show before you're going to see more and more of this happen across the country as civil unrest heats up, but this town establishes its own militia to safeguard second amendment rights vows not to enforce unconstitutional gun grabs Little Michigan town, over uh, 2,500 people, that's, that's it. 
took a bold stand for Second Amendment earlier this week to protect its citizens. The Holton Township Board of Trustees adopted a resolution Tuesday declaring the township a Second Amendment sanctuary and an addendum establishing its own township militia, which local governments have the authority to do and did in the Revolutionary War, did in the Civil War. So this is not a new thing, but it's coming back. And some of these townships and then some counties uh, established a structure for militias uh, to defend against unconstitutional actions, but also against terrorism. So as the Chinese jungle tigers have come across the southern border, very likely Unit 910 from Iran, very likely the Muslim uh, Brotherhood Special Section coming to the United States, some of these townships now and some of these counties are going to do this. And uh, they're going to reform the posse or, or the modern equivalent of it under the sheriff as well at the county level. So this is a very, very interesting development. I'm going to go ahead and post this up online. And I do not think that's going to be an isolated case. That brings us next to OSINT uh, Intelligence. Ratings agency Fitch said Wednesday that regional banks in the U.S. will likely face continued challenges in 2024. In other words, there's going to be more regional banks that are going to shut down. Regional banks uh, lacking in scale will be disproportionately pressured to reduce cost bases and optimize loan composition, blah, blah, blah. They're going to run out of money. That's what they're saying right now. And they're warning us about continued economic downturn next year and very likely a recession. That brings us to the Western Journal. Woman allegedly steals multiple ballots from voter mailbox. But we have totally secure elections. Except that mail-in balloting is the most prone to fraud. And that isn't just me saying it. We held hearings on that. We talked about it in the legislature. Experts talked about it. The United States is totally secure elections, except when you have mail-in ballots, people can walk by and steal the ballots out of your mailbox. And so when you don't get your ballot, you go down to the election office and they're like, hey, you already voted. Oh, my goodness. We've got to tighten this up. No question about it. Now, that brings us to the next story, which is very encouraging, but also went underreported by the legacy media. Hundreds of thousands flood D.C. to march for Israel. There's a picture of it right there. So just when you think you're a minority, you're not. We are the majority. We just need to stand up in this time. And... I really, I really want to highlight some of the things that are happening as Christians are blessing Israel right now, coming to us from World Net Daily as well, how Pat Boone gave Israel the second Jewish national anthem, American superstar Pat Boone, whose record sales during his peak period were rivaled only by those of Elvis Presley, has recorded a new song. It's called the Exodus song. Um, and I, I just, I, I love the fact that there's these blessings going back and forth between Christians and the Jewish people. And we need to keep blessing Israel. Um, I, I don't know. There's some people out there that seem to think we shouldn't bless Israel. And, and uh, I, we're supposed to bless everybody, actually. So, it kind of doesn't make sense to me, but specifically Israel, because the scripture says to bless Israel. So that's what we are going to do. That's what we should do. 
I think we're going to see more of this happen in the coming weeks and months as the chorus against Israel tries to grow louder from the Islamic countries and particularly from Turkey. So if we, if we see that increase, then it just tells us what we need to do, continue to bless Israel and increase the blessing of Israel. Because while evil is trying to flourish, we need to push it back as Christians. And by blessing Israel, we are helping to push back evil. That's a very, uh, anyway, that's a very clear sign, at least to me. So, we're waiting for our guests to get on right now, but I am going to go ahead and go back to some of our intelligence brief while we're waiting for our guest and talk a little bit more in depth while we have the time about what's actually happening on the ground in Gaza and also what might be uh, in the offing here in the United States. First of all, we need to understand the, the mindset of uh, Islamic fighters, but also of Eastern armies from China. What they do is they will fight toward, the Chinese will fight toward their supplies. They don't necessarily carry a lot behind them like we do in Western logistics and, and military supply trains. So what happens is the Chinese will telegraph where they want to go. Perhaps that's what he was doing in San Francisco, where they want to go. By, by putting supplies ahead of them or buying farmland, for example, or setting up manufacturing facilities, for example. They're going to tell you where they're going to go. Now, in the Middle East, especially near Israel, um, they love to use caches as well. So also Middle Eastern fighters will try to fight toward their, their goal because they love to rape, plunder, and pillage because that is what Muhammad taught them to do. And that is very well detailed in the Quran. It is very well detailed in the Sunnah, which is composed of the Hadith and the Sirah. It is very well detailed. So nobody argues about this that really is being honest. So they will try to fight toward something as a goal. That's why they're given the imprimatur to rape and plunder and pillage as they go into these places. They try to fight. But they also like to have caches stored as well so they can fight toward their caches, or if they're on the defense, like it's happening now in Gaza, their caches, they can fall back to where their caches are and, and fight uh, from those places. Generally speaking, mosques and hospitals are used by the jihadis to cache weapons, food, etc. And this is not something new. Especially regarding mosques, Yusuf al-Kardawi, the, the former spiritual leader of the Muslim Brotherhood, he passed away this last year. Kind of makes you wonder where he went. He said that mosques were used as barracks and military supply points, etc. They admit this. This goes all the way back 1,400 years. This isn't something new. So uh, it is really disingenuous for people to come out there and say, oh, the Israelis are going after hospitals now. Israelis are going after mosques. You don't know what you're talking about, A, and B, you don't know the history of the war between Islam and the West that has been going on the last 1,400 years. And these jihadis do this intentionally because they're trying to play on the kindness 
of the West, which they perceive to be weakness and the kindness of Christians. Because guess what? Christians are the ones that started hospitals, the hospitaliers. And during the plague, it was Christians that would go out. And of course, they're going to try to take advantage of that goodness of, of Christians. So don't fall for that ridiculous narrative out there right now. It's, it's not true that we try to target hospitals and do all these kinds of things. It, you've never been in the United States military. If you've ever said anything like that. And the IDF follows a lot of the targeting protocols, not all of them, but a lot of the targeting protocols that the United States uses. The difference with the Israelis is they, they know they're fighting for their very existence. So they're going to target places that maybe the American military would be more reticent not to target. And the problem with that is you allow these guys to regroup and strike out again and kill more people instead of going in and eliminating the threat and their supply lines and their caches. So that's what's going on on the ground in Gaza. Travis, do we have our guest now? Okay. So they're they're working through some technical they're working through some technical issues right now. And uh that's good. So we will we'll continue to talk here really quick about some of the other things that were on the intelligence briefing. I want to pull this up real fast. So in addition to the the attempted storming of the DNC headquarters in Washington, D.C. yesterday, there are indicators that are coming in right now that the left and some of the radical communist organizations. Now, there are communists and radical communists. I get it, but they're all communists, okay? are preparing to do this all over the United States. And so you're talking about organizations associated with Antifa, uh, Indivisible, uh, BLM. You're, you're talking about uh, the Socialist Rifle Association, Redneck Revolt, John Brown Gun Club, are talking about doing these protests all over the United States. Now, they'll try to claim online that they are not asking or advocating for violence. The problem is last time they did this, there was mass violence all over the United States of America in many, many cities. So it is the indicators, the intelligence indicators are coming in right now that these leftist organizations are ramping up right now to do the same thing that they did in 2020 and 2024. Now you're hearing it on Patriot Radio. I mean, this should be obvious, but you can see now, though, there's division in their ranks between the pro-Israel and pro-Hamas factions. And by the way, if you're pro-Hamas, what you're saying is that you are pro-rape, murder, pillaging, etc. Pro-terrorism. So I, we, need to, we just need to keep these in the very starkest terms because the starkest of terms makes it easy to understand. And this is not that hard uh, not that hard to identify. But we as Americans need to stand up at the local level and make sure our elected officials at the local level, our sheriffs, prosecutors are also standing up as well. And they can start these investigations at the local level too. And that brings us to the local front very quickly. This Saturday, November 18th, 6 p.m., Bill Cook of the America's Black Robe Regiment is going to be here. And he is our guest today 
founder of the America's Black Robe Regiment. Bill Cook has been around for a very long time fighting for freedom and liberty as a patriot. And you can find him at blackrobereg.org, blackrobereg.org. So do we have Bill ready? All right. And if you don't know what the Black Robe Regiment is, I'm going to get into that since we just we uh, ate into that time for about 10 minutes. Back during the Revolutionary War, Britain said that it was more afraid of America's pastors than its military. And they called them the Black Robed Regiment. And that's what we're talking about. So when Bill founded this America's Black Robed Regiment, it was the idea that pastors need to take the place that God has really called us to, to stand between evil and the people as shepherds, between the wolves and the sheep during this time. And again, blackrobereg.org. He's going to be here this coming Saturday, 6 p.m. He's got a whole presentation I, I really strongly urge you, if you're a ministry leader, if you're a pastor, you've never heard of this, please show up this Saturday and be a part of this with us because there is so much, uh, so many practical steps that Bill gives. And, and we can make sure that, that as Christians, we're coming together regardless of denominations and all of these other things that we love this country, we want to see it continue for our posterity, and the greatest fighting force on the face of the earth of free men and free women under God fighting for the liberty of their posterity, their children and their grandchildren. That is what scared the British Empire. That is what scares the globalists, the communists, and the jihadis today. So with that, Bill Cook, thank you so much for being here with me on Patriot Radio today. Look forward to seeing you this weekend. Bill, can you hear me? Yeah, it looks like we got a little, a little bit of him breaking up still. All right. Okay, so anyway, again, this, this Saturday, 6 p.m., uh, we're going to be having Bill Cook here, America's Black-Robed Regiment. Also, he, he took part and helped to spearhead the effort to celebrate the, the dedication of the United States to God at Cape Henry. It happened in 1607 in April. And so every April, they celebrate this at the actual monument that's there on Cape Henry to this dedication to God. And, and so we're going to be participating in this as on fire ministries. And I know there's other ministries locally that want to participate in it as well, but it's a great opportunity again, to, to acknowledge that this country was dedicated to Jesus Christ from its very first moments. When they very first set foot here on the shores in America. So with that, we need to know who we are and that all of the original documents, the original declarations, the original dedications, all were very clear, very unashamed that this nation, this, this place was dedicated 
to Jesus Christ and was founded on Christianity. And really, historically, there's no question about this. Whether we're talking about the dedication at Cape Henry, we're talking about the First Virginia Charter, we're talking about the Mayflower Compact, we're talking about the Articles of Confederation of the United Colonies later, where the first document that united all the colonies together in its first lines said, whereas we came into these parts with one and the same end and aim, to preach the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel and purity with peace. All of those things. Then all the way through the founding, Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence, he used as a legal term of art the law of nature and nature's God, which came from Sir William Blackstone, who had just written it seven years before, and it became the law book of England for 150 years. Most American lawyers used it at the time. And Thomas Jefferson said, we are basing this on the law of nature and nature's God. And Sir William Blackstone defined those terms very clearly as a matter of law, as a legal term of art. The law of nature, which is God's truth written into creation, and the law of nature's God, which is Holy Scripture. So from the very beginning, and then going through uh, into the 1840s as well, where Representative Meacham, James Meacham, and then Senator George Badger issued reports saying this is a Christian nation. And then in the 1890s, the United States Supreme Court in the Holy Trinity case ruled as a matter of law that the United States is a Christian nation. And people are still arguing about this. And they'll, they'll cite the Treaty of Tripoli, but have never read Admiral Eaton's specific statements on that this is a Christian nation. So... We want to acknowledge who we are, where we've come from, and that it is Christianity that is the basis for our freedoms. And so that's why I love America's Black Robe Regiment. Bill, do we have you on now? Yeah, I'm still still not getting him. So, Bill, are you there? Still it sounds like it's breaking up. So, um, yeah, still sounds like it's, it's breaking up. All right. I want to, I want to quote a couple things in detail because I don't want to just make a, maybe a sweeping statement like that about, uh, Tripoli, but it's interesting. So the treaty of Tripoli said this in article nine, this was written in 1797, the very first wars that we fought. Okay, after the revolution was against the Barbary pirates. Now, real quick history with the Barbary pirates. They came from the descendants of the Moors who were exiled from Spain in 1492 when Columbus sailed the ocean blue to find a Eastern route into the Islamic empire and defeat it once and for all. Probably didn't know that, but King Ferdinand and Queen Isabel at that time commissioned Christopher Columbus to find another route in wasn't just for trade. And they were very clear about that because they had just defeated the last remnants of the jihadis, which they had been fighting literally for 700 years. They fled across to the Barbary coast and became the Barbary pirates. And so that is the context with which the U S fought its first wars. Bill cook. Do we finally have you on? I think you do. Do you hear me, Matt? I do now. Fantastic. Great to have you on. Really looking Excellent. forward to having you Excellent. here this weekend. Sorry, it took me a minute, a few minutes to get myself squared away with you. Very sorry about that, but I'm 
I am delighted and honored to be with you tonight. Okay. And I love what I'm hearing. I've been listening to you for the last five or 10 minutes, and I love what I'm hearing. I couldn't say it better myself. Well, I really appreciate all the work that you've done. We only have about six minutes left. So quickly, you're coming here to Spokane, Washington this Saturday, 6 p.m. here at On Fire Ministries. Tell everybody what they can expect and why they should be there. Well, you should be there because what we're going to talk about is the clergy, the men who made America. Really, they the, the founding fathers of America were the clergy, and I'm going to be making that case this weekend. The clergy forged the political worldview that fashioned the most the most the freest, most prosperous, most beneficent, most prolific missionary sending nation in human history. And we're going to be talking about how critical it is that the church rise up and engage and contend for liberty in this time because our elections are being stolen. It's it's bald faced theft. And it's time for the church to rise up and take a stand against it and demand honesty in our elections. So with that honesty in our elections, why should pastors be involved? Bill, it, it's politics. It's kind of dirty. We sh Maybe we shouldn't be involved as pastors. And and uh, that's really the realm of government. And, and there is a separation of church and state. What say you? Well, I say that the, the, the idea of separation of church and state was nowhere in the founding fathers' thinking, was nowhere in the clergy thinking. In fact, Matt, you know when I've talked about some of these things that the clergy were uh, were the were the um, they were the, the standard bearers for liberty in America. Many of them raised up troops and fought in the American Revolution. They preached the political worldview in the founding. Eventually, became the founding charters, and they 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 essentially made America. So the idea that that there's separation of church and state, the way that it's been been manipulated by leaders in our government, is absurd. It's absurd, it is a fraud, and it is tyranny. It absolutely is. And it's is. Time, that every, time that every person, every pastor who loves liberty, who loves religious freedom, stands up and says, no, we aren't doing it anymore. We're not, we're not playing this game of separation of church and state anymore. And I would say to believers, I would say to Christians, people who want to be at a church where the pastor preaches the whole counsel of God, where he preaches political sermons, election sermons, and if they if they don't have pastors that do that, find a church that does, because pastors who refuse to do those things need to be marginalized. They they're not really shepherds. What they are is what we call hirelings. And it's time for people like you, Matt, to get the recognition they deserve. Well, you know, people have been wishing the wolves away from the door for so so long, and this this principle of disengagement, as I've heard really is nothing more than the modern iteration of the heresy of pacifism. And I'd like you to get into that right now, that this is not a time to be sitting back, waiting to get taken out of here. This is a time to engage. This is a time to bring the gospel of the kingdom to every corner of the earth. Yes, it is. And, you know, Matt, we're talking about the gospel here. What many people don't, don't know, don't notice when they read the Great Commission, when Jesus, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, they think the Great Commission begins with the words, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But it does not. It begins with the phrase, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. And when Jesus walked out of that tomb on Easter morning, he was what is known as the last Adam. 
He had, he had taken back everything that our father Adam, according to the flesh, had surrendered to the serpent when he disobeyed God. And so Jesus took every, every square inch of terra firma back. He declared on, when, when he rose from the dead, it's all mine. And he told his disciples, he commanded his disciples, you go into all the world, you preach the good news, you proclaim liberty to the captives, and you teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now, that doesn't sound like a, a, a commission to go out and make decisions or make people, get people to say a sinner's prayer. It's a, it's a commission to go into all the world and command men to obey the government of God, to submit to the government of God against which there is no law against the government of God. So if we value liberty, we have to, we have to fight, and we have to stand against this absurdity, this absurdity called separation of church and state. We may not like it. It may go contrary to our flesh and nature, but we have to do it. It's what God says to do. Jesus sent his disciples into the world to preach the gospel of the kingdom, his kingdom, and we're called to obey him in whatever we do. So. Yeah, I can't imagine there's a government on earth that's contrary to the kingdom of God. Well, if it is, it's not, it's not a government. So No, it's not. It's not a government. And we've got about two minutes left. In government schools have not taught about America's black-robed regiment, but the English knew who they were, and all the colonists yes, knew who they were. So if you could, tell that brief history. Well, the brief history is that the, that the uh, British blamed the American clergy or what they call the rebellion, what we regarded as the war for independence or the war for liberty. And they hated the American clergy. They held them responsible for the war, for the, for the rebellion. And, and they were responsible for it. I mean, in, in Lexington, Jonas Clark was considered the most powerful politician in Lexington and Concord. He'd written all the significant government papers for the region. He was actively involved in government. He was stewarding government. And so, um, Black Regiment was a name. It was it was a derisive reference to the black robes that the clergy of that era wore when they when they preached. So they called them the Black Regiment. It was basically an insult against their black robes, and uh, we we basically have adopted it as a name of honor. We're proud to have the name. We thank God for the name. We're honored to be associated with a movement that's that was instrumental in our nation's founding. So, do we have to be a pastor or a ministry leader to come on Saturday night? Absolutely not. We, we, want, we want everyone who loves this nation to come on Saturday night. You know, um, as I said earlier, the clergy, many of them led in the American Revolution. Jonas Clark, the pastor at Lexington, led in the American Revolution. And when, when uh, Paul Revere stopped at his parsonage the night before the Battle of Lexington, he was, he was hosting Sam Adams and John Hancock in his home that night. And one of those two, when they heard Revere's report that the British were coming, one of them turned to the pastor, Jonas Clark, and said, Sir, will your people fight? And Clark said, I have prepared them for this very hour. Clark had actually helped to train the Lexington militia, what we call today the Minutemen. And he had actually helped to train them how to fight. And he, he watched the whole scene unfold from his parsonage door. He didn't run out on Lexington Green and say, please stop this. We shouldn't be fighting. He knew that they were taking a stand for liberty, and it's time for Americans of every of every stripe to take a stand for liberty. So, um, please, if you're a patriot, if you love this country, come come Saturday night. We 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 encourage you to come. We're not just talking to pastors. We need everybody in this fight. 
Bill Cook, founder of America's Black Robed Regiment. Thank you so much for joining me here on Patriot Radio today. Black Robe Reg, R-E-G dot org. We look forward to seeing you on Saturday night. Hey, Keep Matt, up the fight. It's, it's B-R-R-U-S-A dot org. Okay. And we will make sure that that gets up. Bill, I really look forward to seeing you. God bless you. Take care. Such an honor to be with you, Matt. Thank you. All right. Bill Cook, he's going to be here 6 p.m. November 18th. That's Saturday night here at On Fire Ministries. And again, maybe we got that that uh, that website wrong. So, Travis, you can make sure you post it up there. Um, I, everybody needs to be here. He's going to talk about uh, the history of it, but also our duty right now as Americans. I want to just end the show quickly. So, and I said Admiral earlier, I meant General. General William Eaton said this in his authoritative official account was the life of the late General William Eaton, commander of the Christian and other forces. And also, we have never received articles of so excellent quality from any Christian nation. That was the Muslim nations talking to the Christians. This is Matt Shea. Thank you so much for joining me on Patriot Radio today. God bless all of you. Look forward to seeing you Saturday night. Keep up the fight.